0: But uh, my name is Moran Rosenblit, and I'm the founder and executive director of a ministry called Hope for Israel. I'm not going to talk too much about the ministry today, because wherever I travel, it's not my job to talk about the ministry. It's to, my job is to talk and to encourage the people about the God of the ministry, and the God of Israel, and the God of this world, the one and only true God there is. So in short, if you want to know more about Hope for Israel, I would recommend there are two different newsletters, One is the older one, and the other one is a brand-new newsletter that I want to encourage you to get. And you can get as many as you want, as long as you give them to people and don't throw them to the trash. The title of one is that uh, be aware that you are not being misled. And we wrote it, I think, um, yeah, summer of 2013, exactly a year ago. And it's pretty amazing how much this newsletter touches the events today. The main article in the newsletter is the world's double standard, and you can understand double standard for Israel and the rest of the world. And the other newsletter speaks about the reality of the growing of anti-Semitism around the world and how the world is still asleep. We also have a website, and you can visit the website, and there you will know more about me and more about Hope for Israel. My brothers and sisters, Tuesday, a week and a half ago, I was on my way to the Ben Gurion airport. I checked in, was ready to board, and suddenly they showed on the screens of the TV that over 30 rockets were shot into Israel within 10 minutes. Since then, the reality is that over 14, 1,500 rockets were shot into Israel. I was talking to my wife, and she said, you need to go. You need to do what God has called you, Until 10 minutes before boarding, I was praying, asking God to cancel that flight, because I felt like I need to stay home, support my wife, support our three little kids that were left in a very difficult reality today that Israel is facing. And for those of us who don't know, there is a war over there going on, a very bad war. And I want to encourage you to pray, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, to take your stand for God and His plan for his children in Israel. But I felt that it's important for me to come here because one of God's calling on my life is to wake up his body, to wake up those who call themselves followers of the Messiah, to wake us all up to the fact that it's not enough to say, I believe in God. Our faith ought to be followed with action. Thank you for agreeing with me. I'm glad that somebody is. Hope for Israel's main goal and our main aim is to bring the good news, the hope of the Messiah, back home, back to Israel. Acts eight speaks about the fact that the power of God will start in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth, even to Columbus, Ohio, believe it or not. My brothers and sisters, we live in days that we are called now to bring the good news, the power of God, back home, back to Jerusalem. We believe, I believe personally, that the most effective way to do it is to follow our Messiah's command. He said in Matthew 28 that all authority, all, in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. Then he said a very important word. He said, go, therefore. Go, the same word that God has given to Abraham when he said, go, Leave everything behind you. By the way, I don't know what time I started, so I don't know what time I end, okay? It's okay? We came to study the Word of God today, okay? So we are not under time restraint today. But the same word was to go. And what did he say? He said, make talmidim, asutalmidim, make disciples of all nations. And then he explained to us what does it mean to make disciples. He said, teach them to obey everything that I have commended. My brothers and sisters, I want to encourage us to look at everything within God's Word, not just what we pick and choose according to what we are comfortable with. Immerse them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Ruach HaKodesh, Holy Spirit. Then He gave us a promise. And lo, I am with you. I am with you. And at the end of today, we will have a better understanding of what does it mean when God says, I am with you until the very end. A couple of years ago, as I was reflecting upon these verses, reflecting upon what God has called me, what God has called us, I was thinking about my staff at the office. And I came to them with breaking news. Once in every while, I I, I come to them and I have these ways of just exhort them a little bit, make us all a little bit uncomfortable. And I said to them, I have good news. I said, what is the good news? Or actually, they said, uh-oh. I said, we're going to start a program. We as staff are going to read the Bible or through the Bible in a year, starting in Bereshit, Genesis, all the way to the end of Revelation. I'm not going to ask how many of us here have done this. But I have to tell you something. If you have not done this, start doing it. Start doing it. It's when we are not reading the Bible that for once we are not really having a full understanding of God's Word, of who God is, of the amazing fulfillment of the prophecies that He has fulfilled. We don't have understanding that about the times that we live in, and we don't have an understanding about the times that we are entering until His return. So we started doing it, and as I was doing it, I got into a book that we know very well. The book of 1 Samuel. It's one of the easier books to read. You know, it's not Deuteronomy or Leviticus, the ones that uh, are hard. And as I was reading First Samuel, I've noticed something very interesting. First Samuel chapter three verse one says these words: "Now the boy Shmuel Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, and word from the Lord was rare in those days; visions were infrequent." So far, so good. Little Sammy. Was a great man of God. He was ministering to the Lord before Eli. Let me describe to you who he is in our eyes today. Assistant rabbi. My dear brother, who was away for seven weeks or eight weeks, I listened, tried to. Seven. There is something about that number. You know, you came back and now you are bringing the holiness of the Lord to us. It can be him. It can be that wonderful greeters that greeted me. Somebody that we will consider today as a man of God. After all, he was ministering to the Lord before the high priest. But as you continue to read, you get into verse 7. Verse 7 says something very interesting. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. And I found it interesting, how can it be? Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, but can it be that Samuel did not yet know the Lord? And my brothers and sisters, I believe that the most important question that anyone, any of us here in this room ought to ask themselves, do I know the Lord? And note what I'm asking, I'm not asking you, do you know about the Lord? Because knowing about him will not lead us into spending eternal life with him. Do I know him? But, Moran, I'm coming to the synagogue. I'm wearing the kippah. I'm wearing the prayer shell. I know how to pray. I'm giving. My brothers and sisters, none of these things will make anyone spend eternal life with him. This ought to be the byproducts of our knowledge of him, but this will not lead us into spending eternal life with him. In fact, Yeshua himself, when he was here, he made this statement. He said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And my brothers and sisters, maybe you're not prophesying, maybe you're not casting out demons, but each one of us have the I will that I've done in your name. And the most scariest words in the New Covenant are the words that I just read to you. Do I know the Lord? And that question is the base for the rest of what I have to share with you. That was the introduction. Back home, I have a wonderful wife, she is from that country called California. You may have heard about it. We have three wonderful kids. My oldest son is eight and a half years old. His name is Oya, which means light of God. Our middle daughter is Eden, she is seven years old. And our youngest daughter, her name is Noia, means beauty of God, she is four and a half years old. Yeah, a lot of work for my wife. But Eden, our middle daughter came to me with a wonderful question. And by the way, brothers and sisters, let's come to God as kids with all types of questions. I love this little boy that was jumping here and brought a little bit of life to all of us, reminded us that life is not that hard and not that heavy. We can have a little bit of joy from God. then said to me, Abba and Dad, do you think that God understands Hebrew? excellent question. I said, Eden, my dear, I think he understands Hebrew. He may understand some other languages as well, but Hebrew is his language. So I know we read some Hebrew earlier, but let me read some more Hebrew to you, because one of my job is to start to teach you Hebrew, because in heaven, I believe we're all going to speak Hebrew. And do you know why I can't wait for heaven? You're all going to have accent, and we are gonna laugh at you. <laughs> Can't wait for heaven. But let me read to you something in Hebrew, one of my favorite songs. Mizmor le David. Adonai roi lo eksar. Bene odeshe yarbitseni. Almey menuchot yena aleni. Nafshiya shovev. Yanecheni be tzedek le'ma'an maan Gamki elech beget salmavet, loirara, kia ta imadi, shifteha umishanateha, emma yenachamuni, taaroch lefanaishulchan, neget sorerai, dishanta bashemen roshi, cosi revaia, achtovachesedir de funi, kolye mechayai, veshafti beveta donai, leorech yamim. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we commit to your time, and Lord, I pray for you to be glorified this morning. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you may want to open to Psalm 23, a very famous psalm that we all know very well. And today we're going to have a little bit of a Bible study of Psalm 23, but from the Hebrew perspective, which I hope will shed a greater light onto the meaning of this psalm. And I would like to start to read it to you from the M.I.V. M.I.V. is the Moran international version of the Bible. <laughs> I love you guys. You like my jokes. <laughs> as we go deeper, you'll see that even that version, there is a much deeper meaning into the words. A song of David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. He causes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in circles of righteousness for his name's sake. Even when I walk in or through the valley that reflects the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are standing with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You set the table before me against my adversaries. You fertilized my head with oil. My cup overflows. But only goodness and grace pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell. I will sit. I will return in the house of the Lord for length of day. And my brothers and sisters, do I know the Lord is a base for understanding the rest of this psalm? The psalm starts with the wonderful words, Adonai roi, the Lord is my shepherd, my shepherd. David did not use the Hebrew word Elohim to describe the Lord as his shepherd. The general term of God, name of God is Elohim. But David used the letters yud avav vav That sacred name, that name that is pointing to the one who was and who is and who is to come. David knew his shepherd. He had relationship with his shepherd. He followed his shepherd. He trusted his shepherd. In the Bible, my brothers and sisters, we are compared to a very interesting animal. You know which one? Hmm? Sheeps, yes. You know what that animal knows to do the best? Meh. <laughs> Meh. To cry. Do you know that this animal <clears throat> is not the wisest animal on the face of the earth? In fact, quite the contrary. After all, the Word of God says that he will choose the fools of the earth to bring shame on the wise. But there is something else about this animal that is important for us to Know and to remember, and to understand. The sheep knows its shepherd. The sheep listens to its shepherd. When the shepherd said, right away they take their head up and they start meh and following him. The sheep trusts its shepherd. The sheep follows its shepherd. Brothers and sisters, it's only when we truly know him that we can say, as David said, "I shall not lack." Note that what he's saying here is not just in the present tense, but in the future. I shall not lack. I know my Lord. I've seen him working in my life, in and through my life before. I know what he has brought me from, what he saved me from. So I know that he will provide for me everything. And I know that I can trust Him even if the circumstances of my life right now are difficult. I know that I can trust Him, that He will always provide for me. That's a small yet huge difference that ought to be between us and those who are yet to believe in Him. That we know that we can trust Him. We know who is our provider and we know that He He's not just providing our daily bread today, but He will provide our daily bread bread tomorrow and forevermore. It's only when we know Him that we know that He is the one who causes us to lie down in green pastures, that He is the one who leads us beside still water. When I know Him, I trust Him. I know that I'm in the right place. And you know, when you see sheep on the green pastures, they're very relaxed. They have a lot, of animal around, uh, animal, a lot of food around them. They know that they are in the right place, that they can rest. They know that their shepherd and trust the shepherd will always take them into the right place. But you know what's interesting about green pastures and about sheep? They start to eat. Their face is in the ground. And if the shepherd does not call them, they will not see that the food that they're eating becomes brown and not so good anymore. They're not that wise. Sometimes, for us as followers of the Messiah, we get too comfortable. We're very comfortable where we are. And we think that we are in the perfect place where, in fact, the food that we're eating is not good anymore. We're so comfortable that when our shepherd calls us, we can't even hear him anymore because we don't recognize his voice. If God is talking to you right now, I want to encourage you. Make today a day of decision to repent, and repentance means, turn your back to well, this is Torah. Turn your back to sin and turn your face to him. Repent is not to say, "Lord, I am sorry. I'm going to continue to follow that sin and keep you behind. Repentance is turning away from sin and follow him. Follow him wherever it takes you. He is the one who leads me beside still water. Without water, one cannot live too long. Water is something very basic that we need for our lives. Our Messiah spoke about the importance of water in Yohanan, John 4, starting verse 13. Yeshua answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Are we connected to the stream of water? Is the water, this living water filling our life so much that there is a stream of living water that is flowing around us for those who are still in the dryness of the world that they may want to drink from the water of life? Are we making an impact on our community? Do we understand our responsibility? Do we even care about our community? Here's an ouch moment for some of us, okay? Many today are blaming the current administration in the United States of America for all the wrong that is going on. Many believers are angry. Why is God out of our court system? Why is God out of our schools? And I'll ask very simply, why is God out of our congregations? We kicked him out. Why do we expect the world to want him in? It's time to bring him back, to be the center of our life. It's time to understand our responsibility. He restores my soul. And my brothers and sisters, again, if somebody here has gone astray, God wants to restore your soul. But it will require some faith on your behalf to make a decision to want to come back. It may require that you will come to my brother over here, and I'm sorry, you came to the front, so it's very easy for me, okay? And tell him, I want to share with you, and I want to confess to you what has been going on in my life. Confess your sin. Be prayed for be healed be delivered fear God more than you fear men don't worry about what my brother will think about you what matters is that you will do what is right before God Almighty and be held accountable that's what matters and then God is gonna restore your soul why for his name's sake I have breaking news for all of us don't look for them on CNN don't look for them on Fox News and I don't think you'll find them on Facebook. I'm sorry to disappoint many of you. God does what he does not for us to feel good, but for his name's sake. We may enjoy the byproduct of what he does, but he is doing it for his name's sake. God did not bring us from darkness to light, so we will say we are saved. He brought us from darkness to light that in and through us He can manifest His glory and fulfill His plan of salvation for this falling world. can stand when people ask me a question. How many people have come to faith through you and your ministry? None? Zero? You know why? Because if I've done the job, they're going straight to hell. Listen to what I say. If I've done the job, they're going straight to hell. If God opens their eyes and brought them from darkness to light, then who am I to take credit for what he has done? He will not share the glory with anyone. Remember, God does what he does for his name's sake. We have the honor and the privilege to partake in God's plan. And that's all we need and all we will ever need for our life. He is the one who is leading us. He is the one that is working in us. He is the one that is working through us, he is the one who is leading us through circles or in circles of righteousness for his name's sake. And then, it's only when I know that, and I know him, that I know that even when I walk through the valleys, that reflects the shadow of death, those scary valleys, those hard times, our brothers and sisters, hard times, persecution is promised in the Word of God anyone who's promising you prosperity and only goodness is lying to you what I see is hard times coming on this world and open our eyes let's see what's happening what I see the persecution is promised for us and if it's not there it's probably because we're not standing enough for God stand for God you will start to see but I know that even when I go through this I will fear no evil why because in Hebrew it says, Kiata imadi. And imadi, it means omed, standing right here beside me. If God is with me, who can be against me? How many of you have been in Israel before? Many, I like it. Well, in Israel, there is a place that is called the Jewish Quarter in Jerusalem. And then there is a place called the Garden Tomb. Walking from the Jewish quarter to the garden tomb, you have to go through the old city, okay? On Fridays, when the Muslim people are ending their prayers, they are filling the old city, okay? So far, I gave you a picture. Well, I have a tour group coming to Israel, and on that specific Friday, the last Friday in Israel, they decided to make something wonderful in the streets of Jerusalem called the Formula Race, which means that the city is blocked and there are a bunch of crazy drivers in race cars zooming through the city, which means that you can't go in buses in the city, which means, in simple words, you have to walk. My son, who is eight and a half today, walked with us. He walked with a tour guide, and I was in the back, doing this andale-andale, okay? Let's go to the group, very gently. Anyway, the tour guide tells me a story about my son. They're starting to walk, and the tour guide, his name is Isaac, he said, yeah, do you want to hold my hand? Me? Are you kidding me? What, are you afraid? You want to hold my hand? I'm walking. Well, they start to go through the narrow streets. yeah, do you want to hold my hand? No. It's starting to get crowded. yeah, do you want to hold my hand? I told you, if you're afraid, hold my hand. And then they get into this one corner that there are literally hundreds of people coming into this corner, and the tour guide tells me, suddenly I felt Oryah's end. Oryah needed the comfort. The tour guide is pretty big. Kiata imadi. You're standing right here beside me, with me. In spite of what I may go through, you're standing right here beside me. And I have to tell you, in spite of what Israel is going through right now, God is standing right there, beside them, with them. God is their protector. The same God is our protector. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Yes, God's rod is there again. Sometimes to do this, underle, andale, let's go, come on. Maybe today for some of us, he brought a crazy Israeli to, you know, do this, let's go. Let's not get too comfortable with what we're doing every Saturday. It's about a living God, not a dead God, a living God. But that rod is also there. So when the wolves come, he will scare them away to protect us. In Hebrew, it says, which means in that word there is to lean. You are leaning on him. You are trusting him. But again, first you need to know him so you can trust him. You set a table before me against my adversaries. Israel is the most beautiful picture of this part of the verse. Look how many people hate Israel. How many people try to destroy Israel. Over 1400 rockets were shot over Israel during the past two weeks. One casualty. Miracle. Why? Because God wants the enemies to see that they're not fighting Israel, but they're fighting him. And you know what? There is no way that they will win. I'm not saying it with pride. I'm take saying it with great humility right now. You anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. And in Hebrew, again, it says the word, Dishanta basheman Roshi, which means that God not just anointed us, He fertilized our head with oil. So when He gave you a gift, He also gave you the food to be able to fulfill that call on your life. You have a wonderful rabbi. You agree? Some. I will not tell him unless he listened to the message. Rabbi, 80% agreed that I said that <laughs> you are wonderful. Work on the other 20. Do you, believe, do you agree with me that he's an anointed teacher? Yes. Will you lack something if Rabbi will not fulfill God's call on his life within the anointing that God has given him? Yes. Are you aware that God has anointed each one of us? for a very specific task. In the same way that we will lack if Rabbi will not do what he was called to do, so we will lack, if, or we are lacking when we, each one of us, is not doing what God has called us for. But Moran, I don't know how to do this. Let me share with you a quick story. A few years ago, I spoke in a congregation. Do we still have time, by the way? I was kind of running a joke uh, over earlier. I I was speaking in a congregation, and at the end, somebody came to me and said, uh, I have a word from God for you. Now, something you need to know about me, I believe in the Bible in a very literal way. I also live in Jerusalem. So you know what we're doing for people of false words? We take them outside the city gates, and we stone them to death. Okay? That was a joke, although I like... (laughs) I like the principle of that. Let's be careful when we come and we say to somebody, I have a word from God. Let's treat it like we will be stoned to death if it's not from God. Because if it's from God, it will bring life. If not, it will bring death into that person's life. But the word was that I'm going to work with youth in the future. And I wanted to take that person inside the city gate. And inside the city gate, in the temple tunnels, there is a huge rock... And I wanted to put them under that rock so they will never be able to be resurrected again because I did not want to work with youth. Look at the youth today. Who will want to work with them? Those in the back. I see that the parents are saying amen. <laughs> the only way to communicate with them is sending them a message on Facebook. Well, that's true also for Messianic rabbis, by the way. Pretty much the only way. Never mind. Back then, it was during 10 years' breaks that I took from Israel. I needed a break from Israel. During my service at the army, I lost several close friends in a suicide attack. I needed a break from that country. So I lived here in, well, not in America. I lived in California, okay? So uh, again, and two weeks later, I got a phone call from a friend of mine in Jerusalem and said, there is a small group of four kids that started prayer meetings in the secular school Will you give them the spiritual covering and financial covering? I said, sure. I'm here, there, there, it's far enough. And so I started. Well, seven years ago, my wife and I decided that it's time to obey God's call when he's gathering all his children back to the land that he's promised their forefathers and to go over there. I can't come and tell you this unless I do this. So we moved back. And I needed to reevaluate everything that for Israel is doing. The one thing I did not want to do is to work with the youth. And after a year of suffering, and I mean it sincerely, not because of who they were, but because I didn't want to do that, because I didn't feel called. I didn't feel equipped. And I can continue with I and I and I. I came to the youth meeting, leadership, ready to tell them I'm done. And we opened with a word of prayer. And the Lord reminded me of that word that I received. And today, one of the most important calls of hope for Israel is a threefold vision that starts with kids from the age of 13. We have a youth group of 70 kids from 10 different congregations in Jerusalem. These kids are on fire for God. They have prayer meetings in the secular school. They do public debates with their teachers at their schools. Then they go to the army. We have an old program for the young believers who are in the army to keep them in the army. No, sorry, to keep them walking with the Lord while they're in the army, so they don't walk away. In the army, they don't have a choice. And then when they finish the army, we give them scholarships so they can go and earn a profession. And now they have a job so they can affect the local community around them and also tie to the local congregation. And that's how the messianic congregations in Israel will not need to rely on outside support. A great vision! And I have to tell you something. I still don't feel equipped. I still don't know what I'm doing. But the minute I said yes to him, I said no to myself. And now I live for him who died and rose again on my behalf. And he is the one who is anointing my head, fertilizing my head with oil. Give me the wisdom. Give me all the tools that I need to manage what he has called me for his name's sake. So if God is calling you right now, it's not about you, it's all about him. All you need to do is to take that step of faith. Brothers and sisters, may only goodness and grace pursue you all the days of your life. But it says here, And shavti is, yes, to dwell, but shavti is also to sit in the house of the Lord. Forever, Shavti Lashuv is to return. So, if the Lord today convicted you, it's time to return to Him. It's time to re- leave our old ways of living and to come back to Him. The root word of Shavti is Shabbat. Sit, spend time with God. Why did He give us a Shabbat? Why did, after six days of wonderful creation, And on the six days, the ultimate, the most amazing thing that He has created, believe it or not, us, men, He stopped. Because of His love for us, He wanted to spend time with us. And that's the best place that God wants us to be, spending time with Him. My brothers and sisters, a condition to fulfill this is to be able to know that the Lord is my shepherd. I want to encourage you to make the Lord the shepherd of your life today. I invite you to partner with us in our efforts of bringing the good news back to Israel, back to Jerusalem. I do want to tell you something, because I'm very thankful I saw over there a basket, so can I say something about the basket? Hope for Israel have an urgent operation right now that all the proceeds of what's going in this basket will go to this operation, and that's the only reason why I'm actually mentioning this basket, otherwise you would not hear me mentioning this. When the war started, we evacuated immediately 190 people from the border with Gaza, and we placed them in safe hotels away from the war zone. The vast majority of these people are kids and their parents and elderly people that don't have the time to run away. It's called Operation Restoration. Right now, I have a request for another 130 people to be Moving them, and we are planning to place them in those hotels away from the war zone for as long as the war going on. They can't go back home because their home today is an army base, and they can't continue to listen to those rocket attacks. So, this will help us to move them away. Another group that we are helping right now is the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force. We are providing our soldiers with very basic and essential needs that they need right now during this hard time that they are facing. That's how they know that there are people around the world who love them and believe in their call to defend the land that God has given to the children of Israel. So I invite you to partner with us. Thank you, and may God bless all of you.